0: welcome to javascript jam live we do this every wednesday at 12 p.m pacific standard time welcome 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 if you're listening to this recording thank you we love you if you're here live thank you we love you all right great good time yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and start real quick i just want to say whether you're a beginner or you're an advanced user of the uh, developer world, the tooling and everything else in this place, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. Okay. Uh, why? Well, that's because it brings more value to everybody, including yourself. So feel free to request to come up. We'll bring you up. Be more than happy to have you on. Great times, as always. And yeah, this is a very open mic kind of atmosphere. So it's just it's just fun. All right. No, no need to get all serious up in here. Although we... we you can get serious if you want to. Okay.
1: Why so serious?
0: <laughs> Why so serious? So, thank you all so much. We greatly appreciate you. I'm going to go ahead and um, also tell you that if you have not subscribed to javascriptgm.com newsletter, you're missing out. Anthony puts some awesome time into that every week, and we send out a great newsletter. So, feel free to... Go to javascriptjam.com, subscribe if you're not already, and join the other hundreds of others that already are subscribed, and enjoy our newsletter every week. All right.
1: That javascriptjam.com right there, right up on the Jumbotron.
0: On the Jumbotron, y'all. Just scroll up, you'll see it at the top.
1: By the way, something that we should do when we go live is all three of us should just retweet the spaces link, because then that will kind of boost it in the algorithm. Also, it looks like Ishan is on the struggle bus right now.
0: Yeah, I know. I invited him <laughs> earlier as a co-host, and it didn't work. And then um, now he's requesting, but I can't um, I can't get him to come up for some reason. Yeah, so, so um,
1: get out and come I'm, back I'm in. A, I'll Ishan. send him a message, yeah.
0: He should at least be able to hear me. Maybe not.
1: <laughs> yeah, if he's like half join, half not mode, he might not be able to hear.
0: Well, he bounced. There Let's try this one. Once he's back, we'll do the he intro.
1: Can, says he can now speak, but can oh. he really?
0: I'm showing he's already out of the room.
1: Uh, says there's an error adding him as a guest. Yeah.
0: Here we go. I can invite to the co-host. There we go. Send. Let's see. <laughs> what in the world? All right. I'll cancel my co-host invite. I'll re-invite, and hopefully it'll work. There we go. Jeez.
2: Wow, that was wow. that was a struggle in asynchronicity. Uh, <laughs> it like even after I came up, it sent me a message saying your your invite to co-host has been canceled. It was like everything was out of order. It was like what? it, is it going sent on. me that you guys had accepted it before I it acknowledged that I'd made the request. It was yeah uh welcome welcome to uh, well i guess they got a lot to deal with
1: yeah i'm never sure whether the right thing to do is to actually send an invitation or wait for them to request because i feel like that tends to make a difference
0: if i send it right away before they request I, there typically isn't too many problems but yeah
1: so we'll All say right, this um, was Ishan's fault
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> welcome to x spaces <laughs> I mean, oh, nothing yeah. weird about that title.
2: Yeah, I yeah, it's like X
0: Files, maybe like Alien type stuff. What aliens? <laughs> <X-Files>. Huh? <laughs> the X Files. Oh, this is crazy. What's ca- uh, yeah. What? No, that's a nice.
2: It's a nice thing. Before we hopped on in the previous meeting today, we were talking <laughs> about the congressional inquiry into into UFOs. So that's a walk, joke for the audience. They walk yeah. among us.
0: Before we do that, I'll just go ahead and make an intro here. My name is Scott Stiley. I'm the technical community manager at Egeo and co-host of this year's podcast, uh, Ishan.
2: Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Ishan Nand, uh, VP of Product at Edgeo for the Applications Platform, which is a uh, JavaScript and CDN um, and security platform for web applications.
1: Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Ishan. And my name is Anthony Campolo. I'm a developer advocate at Edgeo.
2: And if you have not checked out uh, our newsletter, uh, go and subscribe to JavaScript Jam. Uh, go to javascriptjam.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Anthony puts it out once a week. Um, there are a couple interesting stories there. There are some things that I thought were interesting that weren't in there. Um, but you you know, start with the the story of the week. So I don't know if you want to cover that or talk about that a little bit and why you picked that as the story of the week. Did we lose Anthony? He's now listed as a listener. What is going on? Hold on. Yeah, I know. Ah, baby. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, okay.
1: I went to go get the. Let me uh, do the co-host thing because I wanted to um, share the thing, and I always forget you can't switch Twitter accounts. Oh <laughs>
0: yeah. So I just I just wanted to go to oh, yeah.
1: the JavaScript Jam. Twitter account so that I could pin that guy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this is, uh, we did an interview with um, Steve from Town. This is a pretty cool project. Um, and so, we have a YouTube video up. And I shared that in the newsletter and kind of highlighted it. Um, it's a So, the way he describes it is it's like a, and actually Bro Nifty, shout out. Um, was the one who got this interview in the first place. He was asked. Steve was asking, "Hey, are there any cool podcasts that we could, you know, go on to show off Valtown?" He was like, "Hey, you should go on JavaScript Jam." <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, that's be cool." So, thank you, Bro Nifty, always a great advocate of the show and the pod. Really, really appreciate that. So, we had Steve on, and he was showing us the product. He says it's like um, GitHub Gists meets. AWS. And actually the Scott, I think you mentioned pipe dream. I feel like that was kind of an interesting little comparison yeah. as well. You want totally. to explain what pipe dream is?
0: Mm-hmm. So have you heard of like Zapier or Zapier, how do you, however you want to pronounce it? Everybody says it differently. Zapier. Um Zapier <laughs> the French version. Uh, welcome to Zapier. Um <laughs> just don't jump off the pier. Okay. Um anyway, so <laughs> Yeah, Xavier has uh, all these uh, connections, right? Back and forth. Um, <laughs> Anthony's crying over there, not laughing. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can you can connect, right? Um, and be able to um, link different services. Like if you want to, for example, I'll just give an example real quick. If you're not familiar with it, I'm sure you are. But um, if you wanted to send an email out whenever somebody um, is added to a list inside of a database. Uh, you know, Zapier typically would have a connection most likely with that database or even Google services, or, you know, maybe it's an Excel spreadsheet that someone gets added to and then you want an email to go out to them you can do that as well. I mean, there's all different kinds of things you can do, but um, it all connects through um, these APIs of these different services, right? and so pipe dream is the exact same thing (laughs) except for it's more for the developer uh because you can um the process of this like with zapier you just go and you click a couple buttons and drag and drop and you say you want these things to connect and do these right um and so with pipe dream you actually code in these processes these scheme you put a schema in um you know so that it'll it'll do what you want to do and the cool thing is you can customize things a lot more inside of PipeDream. And it's a lot less expensive as well. <laughs> so um, PipeDream is, Pipe is just really cool. And they've made some advances um, with AI, which is another reason why I like them. Um, and I was one of the first people to test out their AI process that they put together for um, using ChatGPT inside of the custom coding So do you uh, use
1: PipeDream like, for your actual work?
0: I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was and like was-
1: your specific use case that you used it for? Cause one all those like tools that is like very, very generic. So I kind of like don't yeah. even know what I would do with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so Zapier, Zapier, I used that a million times over when I worked with ClickFunnels and any other clients that I had with any marketing stuff. I mean, it was always in use for sure. But with pipe dream, uh, here recently actually, um, I I just kind of stumbled upon them. I don't even remember how now, but anyway, I stumbled upon them and I really liked what they had and the process and everything. And then when they started doing this AI thing, um, I was part of, I'm part of their Slack, their Slack channel as well. So like kind of talking through like helping them to um, get the bugs worked out on it too, which was kind of cool being able to to like mess with it and, um, you know, be part of that, I guess it wasn't quite beta but either way it was fun and so I used it for when we went to um for example when we're going to be doing some stuff with JavaScript Jam and one of these uh events that we're at one of the many that we do and um, I was trying to get like the speakers to um say that they're going to do something with us. And so when I had a, actually I, I created a ClickFunnels landing page instead of using Xavier, I used, I, I used pipe dream, um, to enable a, a trigger, uh, to be able to, um, do some, do some things automatically automate the process. Right. So anyway, um, I'm not going to get too much into it, but yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. It's funny. The way I first heard about pipe dream is, um, I had a job interview there, (laughs) like, this was um, back when I was working at StepZen, and it was just kind of like exploring, you know, different roles and see what was available to me, and uh, they asked me to do a coding interview, which I totally failed, so I did not get that job, (laughs) but uh, they were cool people. This is 2021 Anthony, he did not quite have the skills to to pay the bills at the time.
2: Well, um... You know, this. I want to go back to Valtown for a second. I feel like there's this, uh, you know, whole space of, you know, I've been, I, I, let me take a step back. There's a category of software that I think Valtown sits in that is occupied by a bunch of companies that have, you know, come and gone over the years, and I've, it's always... You know, felt to me like this kind of thing should exist, and then I haven't seen one of them get super large. So, you know, the first one I can think of is this company called AppJet. Man, when did they come out? Um, they were a Y Combinator company in, like, let's see what it says. In, uh, they were in two thousand seven, right? And you go, wow. whoops, right? Cut. You go, yeah, it's it's, and it was. This, it was a web-based, you know, application, you know, where you'd write your code. I don't remember what language they support. I think they supported JavaScript. Um, and you'd, you'd run your code in a sandbox, and you could just write your code, and it would, you know, code, preview, publish very easily. And it was this idea of making it really easy for somebody to go and get started and run a program. And the other example I can think of this, and there have been a bunch of them, um, is, you know, Joel... Uh, Spolsky, famous for Joel on software, creator of Bugs and Stack Overflow, um, and a bunch of others. He created, you know, he, he had a really good blog post. Um, man, it must have been like five years after this. Um, maybe it was 10 years in 2017, saying it's really hard as a developer, you know, download packages and then to share that code and for somebody to run it is just a lot of work. And he's like, it'd be great if you could just go write code and just, bingo, you've got your API. Um, and that became Glitch. And they actually pivoted most of, I think, Fog Creek I software. Glitch. Yeah. glitch. yeah. Yeah. And Glitch was this, again, you're in, you can go in a browser and write, um, you know. A, I always think of Glitch as smaller...
1: more, more like a code sandbox or a stack blitz kind of thing.
2: So tell me, do you, do you think the comparison with Valtown and Glitch and AppJet and the rest of these is is misplaced, or do you think that... Well, I think the yeah. question
1: is, is this code that runs, or is this code that renders into a browser window? Like, is it a script, or is it a website? That's to me, is kind of the way I differentiate it. I haven't really used Glitch, so I may be incorrect that it's more like a code sandbox. Maybe it is more like a Valtown. I, I honestly don't really know.
2: Uh, a glitch was more like a uh, a Valtown is my understanding. You'd write your code, it would run on the server, and they would they would run it f- there it would basically be a really quick way. I mean in their case they're using, you know, GitHub GISTs as as um, let's call it the the mental vehicle and positioning. But it's it's the same thing, basically. Let me go see what glitch is like today. Uh, they got acquired, actually. Um, yeah, you get full stack apps that sleep after five minutes. You had unlimited static sites, but you could write full stack apps if you wanted to. Um, and but that that goes back to
1: what I was saying. Like, that's a website then, or like it's something that has a front end. Because like Valtown, there is no the, your, the code you write doesn't have a front end. It's like a Node script.
2: I think with Glitch, you could do an API as well.
1: Okay, so it's not like Glitch. It probably does both. Then it's like a Valtown and a code sandbox. So you can do so... either. It's okay. been around for so freaking long, probably, yes. that they built in that kind of functionality.
2: I mean, to me, the it's an important but also at the same time subtle distinction like you can return HTML or you you can return JSON, you just give me a place sure, to yeah. enter on the server. Yeah, um, you're right. I guess for me,
1: it's a question of like, yeah. is it. Like running npm or yarn under the hood to like like is there a dev server? I think that's to me that's kind of the distinction I'm making in my head.
2: And is your understanding in in the case of Glitch there isn't in Valtown? I I have no idea. I've never really used Glitch. (laughs) Okay.
1: With with Valtown there is not though. There's no dev server at this point as far as I can tell.
2: What do you mean by a dev server, actually?
1: Like when you run npm run dev and then it yeah. like kicks open your website on localhost three thousand. Like that step does not exist in Valtown. I don't think.
2: So why am I struggling? You're there's no CLI, right? So
1: exactly. Whereas like, but yeah. with Code Sandbox and with StackBlitz, there's a CLI. It's like a whole dev
2: environment. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So there's two uh-huh. ways to go about this job of saying solving this problem that it's really hard as a developer to you know, build your whole dev environment and then code. And then you come, imagine you came back to it a year later, you're like, what the heck? And like, maybe you have to upgrade components and it's just, it's a mess. Or you have to share that to somebody else and they have to go down NPM install and all that. So one solution is to say, we'll give you a virtual sandbox. We'll give you a container, right? Where you run the equivalent of Node or something similar to it, right? So StackBlitz is a a great example of that. Um, And they they run that entirely in the browser. So uh, the other way is to just give you an in-browser editor and there is no, you know, you're not exposed directly to Node and the NPM ecosystem unless you really want to be. Um, So Glitch and Valtown and AppJet are more of that latter category. So I think they're all the same. At least they're part of that category. They all meet that definition of there is no dev server. You're not in a true, call it generic, node development environment. Is how I would describe the distinction. Is that rephrasing accurately what what you were going for as the distinction? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, all of the like, you could if somebody came expecting to npm installed, they'd be lost in a sense. So. These all meet that that criteria. There is no. It's not a. It's not. A, maybe the simpler way to say it, as I'm thinking aloud, is one way to look at it is let me just recreate your entire dev environment in the browser. And another way is to say let me reimagine what the dev environment should look like, browser first. Um, and I'd say AppJet and Valtown and Glitch are more of that latter. Um, they're they're more like a. They're even less than a fiddle in some ways. Because right, some fiddles do give you access to NPM if you want them. Um, so what's interesting to me is there's this whole category that I've always felt should exist. Um, and you can look at other things that are adjacent, like the Cloud9 in Browser Editor, which is kind of more Category 1, shall we say, the recreate the developer environment. Um, but none of them have actually turned into like their own large companies, uh, at least that I can think of. Uh, and I've been kind of watching this space casually, you know, since AppJet came out. Um,
1: and, so are you gonna give
2: Bowtown a try? Oh yeah, I'll 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 give them a test drive. And uh, I again, I think, feel like this this whole category should exist, but it doesn't have a you know uh, you know category killer like the 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 king of its category yet. And I'm kind of curious from a product sense why that is. Um, I'm curious if you have a read or, or a feel.
1: Um, I would guess because it's such a generic piece of functionality that you can kind of do. Because, like what Scott was saying, is like there's things like you know just Zapier and then stuff like Pipe Dream. So I feel like people probably found platforms that allow them to do self-contained functionality in a way that hooks it to their platform. Cause also like if you think of like the whole point of doing this usually is because you need an output somewhere. So if you need an output yep. somewhere, it may be in like Slack. And then you're just you're building on your integrations like in Slack or or in Discord. And then you're like working with these specific bots on a specific platform. So I feel like everyone has a bespoke way of figuring out the functionality they need to do. So they've been avoiding using like a generic platform like this and so it's been tough for the generic platforms to get the kind of uptake they need to become a market leader that's like my speculation i have no idea if that's actually true or not
2: interesting okay um basically they're too generic and anything that is custom built for the purpose needs to be integrated into the the job to be done so that would be that would be idea. my guess yeah
3: yeah um i remember I mean, how i found out yeah. about pipe how did you find out about PipeChain? Okay, so
0: when I was building out <clears throat> that PDF reader with LangChain and um, ChatGPT, and um, I, was, I was I discovered uh, this guy who's like knows Notion like really well. You've probably heard of him, but. Um, Justin, what's his name? (laughs) Um, Hold on. I think I have him in my book. I should at least. Um, Just Town. (laughs) (laughs) That's a type of joke. No, it's not Justin at all. It's actually Thomas Frank. Okay. Anyway, he's like this notion guru. And. uh, Did we lose everyone?
1: I think uh, so oh that was weird. The, the oh, mute everyone it. button that may have been me.
0: Ah. Anyway, um, Thomas Frank, if you didn't hear me, he's like this notion guru, and he created this really cool thing where if you speak in your iPhone, and then, um, <clears throat> you know, on like a note app, and then it'll take that, and then it'll transcribe it, and then it'll uh put that into, um, uh, LangChain, and ChatGPT. And then um, obviously using something like Pinecone or whatever for uh, your vector. And then, Mm -hmm. and take that and it creates these awesome, like notes for you inside of Notion uh, based on what you just said. So if you have like this really cool idea, instead of like typing it out the note throughout the day, you can just like talk into your phone and then it's going to like create these amazing notes inside of Notion. Anyway, he was using Pipe Dream for a lot of the connections and the webhooks and things like that to go back and forth. And that's how I heard about dream.
2: Interesting. I think we're at the halfway point. We should just remind folks that uh, you're welcome to raise their hand at any point. We try to make this an open mic. Uh, and whether you're a beginner or an expert, we want to hear from you. Um, we should move on to any of the other topics you thought were interesting, uh, Scott, for, for this week's newsletter. Or was there anything that was on the cutting room floor? you thought you were going to include what you left out that you thought might be interesting or compelling to talk um, about here? Eddie,
1: so there were some of the quick links that I thought were were pretty interesting. There was an article that was on the GitHub readme project that was called TypeScript and the Dawn of Gradual Types. Why choose between static or dynamic when you can get the best of both? And, you know, I I didn't read this entirely like front to back but i kind of skimmed it and i think the idea is is pretty interesting because something i've always been told from like really like people who are super into typescript they'll they'll say or people who are super into typescript but also are not like fanatics about it (laughs) and kind of like Mm -hmm. understand that the trades the trade-offs inherent will be like you know don't worry about migrating from javascript to typescript and literally typing your entire project in one go because it's just if you have a large enough project it's just kind of absurd that what you should do is you should like have inferred types and if they happen to not infer correctly then you can kind of fix them on the fly but like this is a way that kind of allows you to like scale your typing thing so i think that there is you know kind of this idea now that we need to figure out a way to kind of bridge the JavaScript and the typescript worlds in a way that doesn't just require literally every single JavaScript developer migrating their entire project to typescript in one go. Cause that's just kind of ridiculous. And there's some other stuff in here about like, can we finally kill the build step, the build steps? Can we like get some sort of setup that doesn't involve actually having a build step. And so there's just, there's a lot of stuff in here that, is things that I've been thinking about with TypeScript for a while. And it's nice to see like a big discussion kind of like around these topics. Cause I think, you know, I get the benefit of TypeScript, but I've still been kind of hesitant to like really make the full switch for a lot of the reasons that are identified within this post.
2: And we should shout out uh, Josh Goldberg who did a, an episode with us on TypeScript opens, you know, they, they opened the article uh, with his, you know, about his, uh, experience with it. Um, uh, what were the reasons you feel that you, you haven't gone to, t- to TypeScript though, that you were going to call out?
1: Yeah. So I would say build complexity is a big one, especially when you get into ESM versus CJS type of territory. Cause like you end up, I don't know, you, you, I know you don't code as much these days, but within the last, like, three, four, or five years, we've got into this thing where you have .js, .ts, .jsx, .tsx, .cjs, .ctx, yeah. .mjs, yeah. .mjs. It's just, it's complete madness. <laughs> it's the worst possible situation to be in. So that's got to go. We got to figure out something to do about this whole file file naming situation and file type situation. So that's a, that's a huge problem. Um. And then otherwise, it's the tsconfig.js. The like, how do you can, because based on how you choose to configure your TypeScript, there's actually an infinite permutations of TypeScript that exists. There is no one TypeScript, because it's like, is this compiling down to, again, CGS or ESM? Or is it compiling down to 2015 ECMAScript or 2020 ECMAScript? So... There's all of these different permutations based on how do you actually build your JavaScript that just add so much complexity. And until you figure that out, there are no types. (laughs) So there's all these steps involved before you even get to the point where you can enjoy all the benefits that types give you. And for someone who builds lots of small projects that need to be created from scratch, that is like a huge, huge pain point. It's not a pain point if you're on a project that was set up five years ago and is just gonna be the one project you're gonna work on so if you're like in a big production app and that's the only app you ever work on you'll never encounter this project but if you're like a Devrel who spins up lots and lots of small projects all the time you're always running into these things
2: yeah I I actually really liked that article you included which was the the other one the the five inconvenient truths of typescript uh, which which covered you know a lot of what you're talking about maybe we should enumerate them for the audience because uh, it's a sh- it's a short list on the the five inconvenient truths yeah go for it yeah so the first one was typescript won't save you from javascript and... so
1: true <laughs>
2: <laughs> do, do you want to elaborate
1: just like you know javascript itself is a highly dynamic complicated language that's always changing and you know adding new features so no matter how well you type it, next year they may add a new feature that isn't even typable in the first place, you know? So I feel like there's a kind of fallacy inherent that it is even possible to type all of JavaScript. So I don't don't know if that's actually true.
2: Yeah, and I guess the way to say it, I think it's a great phrase. It's like, you'll see the yellow patches shine through the blue coating of static types. Like, you can't, at its core, it's still got the ugliness of JavaScript, you know um, maybe it's another thing it's lipstick on a pig um, so you can't it's not like you can leave JavaScript behind is how he describes it um, number two is JavaScript typescript adds complexity um, so you can have this you know gradual approach um, but you're still gonna have a, a lot of complexity um, no matter how you do it it's just you know now you've got a you've got a new set of concerns to think about um, Number three was that uh, TypeScript is not type safe. Uh, number four was what you just typed, touched on earlier, which is uh, TypeScript comes in many flavors. Um, you know Which version of, of TypeScript in a sense or settings have you chosen? Um, and he said, TypeScript has so many possibilities. I haven't seen a single project that looks similar to another one. Every team figures out something different and uses a variety of tools to express themselves in TypeScript, and they all come with different features and trade-offs. Um, yeah, and, and that's so, the—that yeah. is really
1: the big thing. If there was a single TypeScript that was like actually a language by itself that worked the same way every time, like I would 100% like switch to that and only write that. I would be totally bought into that. But as like you just said, that's not the case.
2: Oh, well, as, as it says in this article, I can't, you know, take a uh, claim for it. But did Josh, you know, when we discussed TypeScript with Josh, did you ever touch on that at all? Because I feel like that's a, it's an important thing. I did, thing. actually.
1: I, I kind of asked about a lot of this stuff. And, yeah, he he was saying, like, you know, there is no silver bullet. Like, you kind of just got to work with this stuff. And eventually you find, like, configurations that he – was, he was like, you got to settle on a configuration with your team – And that's just kind of what it comes down to. And so I don't know if this is something that can be fixed on an ecosystem level at this point.
2: Yeah, so um, number five, let me go back to it, was it's still worth doing TypeScript, (laughs) which uh, despite all those those issues, it's still worth it. Which, you know, as I mentioned, Josh uh, did a... A kind of crash introduction course to TypeScript for us. Uh, If you Google JavaScript Jam, Josh Goldberg, um, you'll see TypeScript with Josh Goldberg. I'll I'll put that on on. the Jumbotron. Yeah, let's put that on the Jumbotron. Um, So uh, despite all of the issues we talked about, it's still worth uh, learning. So go watch that episode to get started if you haven't started to embrace and get on the TypeScript chain. Um, so, so, Ishan, yeah. I,
1: I know this is not something you necessarily do, but yeah. if you were to start a new project today, would you start it in TypeScript?
2: Hmm, side project, or am I working with others? Either. For a side project, I'm just—it's a POC that I'm going to throw away. Like I'm just experimenting. Um, then I would do it in just regular JavaScript. So, for example, I have uh, some like automated tools I run that, you know, grab uh, content for one place and put it into my RSS feed reader. Um, those I just write in JavaScript. There's no, like, and I'll just error check. I know what the, the errors are. Like, I don't have this field for, for the XML. It's fine. I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, if it's something that I think will grow and will have other people working with it, then I would, I would go towards TypeScript. Um, I mean, I cut my teeth, you know, in strongly typed languages first,
1: um, so which so, ones?
2: Well, very first, like Java, Pascal, actually Pascal.
1: I, I never thought like, so I, I've heard Pascal, but I know so little about it. I didn't realize that's a strongly typed language. Interesting.
2: Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because I, I took that class without taking the prerequisite, which was learning basic. And all the people in that class who had come from BASIC were all frustrated. They're like, why do I have to declare my variable? Um, uh, and I just, like, I was like, okay, this is what it's asking me to do. I'm, I'm okay to live with it. Um, so, and only went to JavaScript and, you know, dynamic languages, well, I guess shell programming as, as needed. But, um, so I'm, I am I like the idea of, of typing um, and I think it's really important for the long-term reliability to be able to say, you know, very strong, be able to know what the thing is you're dealing with at various points in execution of the problem. Um, Now I was doing systems programming. So, you know, later moved on to C um, and there you have to keep really tight reins on stuff, you know, cause C will let you, you know, read off the end of an array. You get these arbitrary pointers to memory. Um, And so you have to be really super careful. And so for, you know, jobs like that where I feel like I need to be careful and, and things like, that I feel like a reliability, um, then I definitely would want to be working in a statically typed language. Um, I'm not even sure I want to be working in a garbage collected language um, if performance is really critical. No, um, well, I'm talking about like systems level performance. So this was like in audio where you, you miss a few milliseconds, you'd, you'd ruin the whole take. You are talking about when you worked at Pro Tools? Yeah, digit design. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's my answer. Uh, you know, if I think more people would, would be working with it, or if I think correctness is critical, then yes, I would, I would go to TypeScript, but, uh, for side projects, no. And it's kind of, you don't have to choose. You can start with JavaScript and then you are suddenly like, Oh, this, this might take off. Then you can go to, um, you can, you know, maybe migrate the code base at some point later on. Um, and if I thought, uh, Third-party contributions were important. Then I might actually, you know, I know I'd have to make a decision there. I feel like JavaScript is more accessible, um, but TypeScript makes it more maintainable. That's by the the way. um,
1: I see someone just joined from PipeDream. Actually, just wanted to say hey, and you're welcome to come up and speak if you're so inclined. Otherwise, thank you for joining.
2: Oh yeah, we were just talking about PipeDream.
1: Yeah, they, I imagine they probably have a pipe dream trigger to notify them anytime <laughs> someone tweets pipe dream.
2: <laughs> so, uh, well, again, uh, for those of you who just joined, we're very much in open mic format. You can raise your hand. We're happy to bring anybody to the stage um, and change the topic um, at any point um, and talk about. Oh, looks like, is that somebody? That's Scott. Hand? Scott. Oh, that's Scott um, coming back. Fell off okay.
1: for some reason. Yeah. Also, hello, Nikki T. I saw you just had. Um, a wasp episode on your stream big fan of wasp very cool project
2: you know i saw somebody posting about wasp in a newsletter this week and uh you didn't put it in in javascript jam i don't know anything about it i just remember seeing the name do you want to just tell people yeah
1: yeah um nick's joining right now um the cool thing about wasp is uh, what yeah oh yeah so the cool thing about wasp is that it's a full it's like it's the whole full stack jam stack thing like i would say back when i used to talk about full stack jam stack more there was like redwood and blitz and then you know bison kind of but um wasp is the first project that kind of came after those i think can still fit kind of into that category which is they have a full stack React kind of deal with an auto configured like Prisma backend, and they even go further by having their own DSL. And um, Nikki T can kind of talk more about that because he just got like the whole download just an hour ago.
4: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, the yeah. There's a few things to it. I was also on the stream. Uh, um, oh, also, hey everybody, <laughs> um, welcome. Uh, yeah, no, there's the DSL. So. I, it was the first time I saw the DSL, so the, the domain-specific language, and um, I kind of made a parallel, like, were they doing something similar to, like, infrastructure as code, you know, kind of like Terraform or something, and it's not exactly like that, but he, Mattia, who's one of the co-founders, said it's similar to that, but it's, it's like, I see a few things in the project. Like, right now, they're talking about full-stack web development, but I, I see, like, the DSL could literally be used for building any web app. Like right now they're focusing on React because they just want to, you know, get things in a really good place for like one uh, library. But, uh, you know, after that, uh, you know, like I think they started off with Angular, they were saying early early days, and then they moved to um, React. But the the DSL is interesting because like you, you have like a root node in the DSL, like the app itself and then you can have stuff that you define like uh like Anthony was saying so you could say like here's my db section and like my provider by default it's sqlite just so you can get up and running really quick but then you can say like oh I want it to be postgres and then you have like uh, prisma like uh, like Anthony was saying um I you know that's what they're sticking with for now because like I get it they just want to build it out nice and solid but I you know it, it's not an inconceivable to say like in future like oh you know wasp add the add drizzle instead of you know prisma or you know add more database types um, uh, providers sorry and it's it's it, it it's interesting it, it seemed a little odd to me at first because like uh, we had the well the one thing that was interesting was they had this GPT generator web app now I can link to that in a, in a bit but Basically, yeah, we're likely gonna have
1: um, a JavaScript Jam uh, podcast interview with him about that sometime in the next couple weeks. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, do it up. It, so
4: basically, I, I went with one of like the stock project suggestions for prompting GPT, and they're using GPT four. And you know what it does is it generates the WAPs file along with all the the files. So like for example, it's React, so like it's generating pages. Um, it also is able to generate like uh, we created a my plants app where you basically you can create plants you can water them and it generated the whole you know all the <laughs> apis <funny>. for that <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um and, and then the weird the weird thing if you're you know coming from front end or or, or node or anything there's no package json it's the wasp the main dot wasp file
1: which yeah, that super the threw package. me off the first time I tried it. I was like, "What do I do?" If yeah. There's no package.json.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm curious about it because like I wonder because normally you have the package lock JSON to you know, you know, ensure that you have like the same dependency all the time. Although I guess of- like
1: everything just runs through the CLI, so that is what understands whether you have the things you need. That's that's my guess. At least, I'll have to ask him about that.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, you do pretty much everything through the the CLI. So you do like WASP start to literally start the application. Uh, you can, if you end up, and you don't need to run the database if you're just go WASP start, because by default it's SQLite. But if you start using Postgres, it requires Docker. So then you do like WASP DB start. And then you can also run database migrations. Uh, you know, we I think we only kind of... Hit the tip of the iceberg, but uh, uh, th- I-, I was curious too about the deployment story. So right now they can deploy to Fly.io. I think it's still a little clunky the the deployment story. Not not in a bad way. It's just it's still yeah. You amazing. remember
1: you're on my stream when I had Matias on also, and he was we were kind of struggling through the deployment step. We eventually got a static thing running on Netlify. And I assume all you really would need to do is just kind of get the get the environment variable in there. After that, but um, I think what they need is they need like setup commands to kind of do all that stuff for you. Still, yeah,
4: there's still stuff they could automate, but you know, early days. Um, I see Dylan's got his their hand up, so
1: I'm I'm yeah, Dylan. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience, and uh, feel free to say whatever you want.
3: Thanks, guys. Um, you were you were on the money. I was notified by a workflow we have through PipeDream when we ever get notif- like uh, mentioned on social, any social, uh, it'll send a Slack message and give us details about it. So that's how I ended up here. Um, and forgive me, this is my first ever Slack. Um, well, I guess call X now. X Faces kind of meetup. I've never actually used this app before, so it took me a minute to figure out <laughs> actually how to raise my hand. You can't do it on web. You have to do it on the app. Um, well, you made country. it. <laughs> I <laughs> Are made you, it did you, did you
1: do like DevRel for um, Pipe Dream or
3: Yeah, that's right. I made all of their university course, like every single video, um, wrote much, a lot of documentation and some features too, actually. But um, I'm on the DevRel side. That's awesome. Yeah. What were you going to
1: say, Ishan?
2: Oh, I was going to say, you know, two things. One is that that problem where you cannot join a space as a speaker from the browser is like the gotcha that happens, you know, sometimes when we have a, an episode with a prearranged guest like 50% of the time, we're like, wait, make sure you're in, in the app. Um, I think we even got some old episodes where somebody joined and they, they were trying to join from the browser. So that's a classic one. Uh, and the second is like of all the companies that should have an automation in place that you described, it makes sense that the piping does. So that's totally awesome that you guys have that. Um, so that's all I was going to say. But maybe we should give him context while we were talking about Pipe Dream, and uh, and and go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking about these different platforms that have, like, self-contained runnable code snippets. And um, Ishan, you were kind of speaking about how you feel like this is something that you've been following for a while. But um, you feel like, you know, there's hasn't really been, like, an industry, like, leader in it but um, it seems like pipe jr is probably like the closest thing to that right now, at least from, from my vantage. I don't know. I'm sure Dylan probably has a better read on the the competitive landscape of, of the tool. But um, yeah, like I'll, you should mention some I'll, of the, yeah, let
2: me, should, let, yeah. Me, yeah mm-hmm. let me clarify. So I was taking a much more expansive view of the category. So I was looking at things like AppJet and glitch, which are like arbitrary, come here and arbitrary run code, you know, if if there was an exception to my my seem that I haven't seen one of these like Valtown or Glitch or um or AppJat, for example, become like massive categories. I you know, what Pipe Dream is doing, which is saying, Hey, the connecting of the APIs is like a a well defined task in a space. I think there's a lot of companies in that category. I, I would say I don't know, how to put put PipeDream in that same category of the other ones. The other ones are more like, come here and build your app. Whereas PipeDream is more like, come here and, and connect things, which I think is a different job to be done, even if they're still running arbitrary code that people provide. That makes sense.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So some of those I think of as like low code or no code app builders, yes. but it's a full UI presented to an end customer or accepts end customer credentials, et cetera. Yep. Um, whereas PipeDream is more like integrations. I, I struggle to come up with a de- definition myself, and I've been there for uh, a, over a year now. It's like uh, integrations as a service, but I find myself building like full Slack apps, for example, because the UI is, UI is built by Slack, so it's all over API. You could essentially build form submissions. Um, you could make interactions, et cetera. Whereas like something like AppForge, for example, it's also node based and I'm sure they're on Lambda too or some serverless uh, platform, but mm-hmm. they give the whole UI experience under your belt and you have to basically, you're basically building a web front end in addition to some serverless backend. Whereas we really kind of focus on the backend and then having these plug and play connections to make it really simple because I mean, we all have to deal with OAuth heartbeats before, Refreshing OAuth tokens—the pain in the butt. So we manage that for you, and you just worry about integrations. It's kind of like our forte. Yeah, that makes sense. That,
2: that makes sense. Um, and I think that's a really smart move. Um, I'm kind of curious. What do you think are like in the most popular integrations people are are doing on the platform?
3: Oh yeah, there's. I mean, it's such a, it's it's so interesting because we have these two separate segments of. Folks that are either uh, non-technical, but they're Mm -hmm. using AI and our pre-built actions and triggers to kind of like Mm -hmm. have a Zapier-like experience. So for those type of people, you're seeing a lot of like CRM usage. Um, But for the technical folks, it's a lot of custom code and Slack and Discord, um, GitHub, especially like automating your GitHub CI easier than, than doing so with like the GitHub CI and doing YAML files directly. Um, there's so many weird use cases out there, especially with e-commerce too, like managing your 3PL or your, your logistics provider with your Shopify account, or even a lot of people use Google Sheets as a database. So we can yeah. build on top of that. Um, yeah, there's, it's just a weird, very, very wide array of use cases. And I am surprised what people pull off with it all the time. Because I actually help with support as well. I'll get support tickets and get one on one with people and figure out what they're what they're using it for. Nothing really surprises me anymore, <laughs> anymore about it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, uh, that's probably the interesting part about this working for integrations platform is you get to see it's not it's almost like working for an agency in that you see a ton of different use cases and not just one product.
2: I noticed you have a chat GPT uh you know connector. Uh I'm sure that's probably getting some interesting use. Uh and if there's anything you saw that was really interesting that leveraged AI and and Pipe Dream that you could talk about.
3: Oh, there was one. He even did a GitHub repo example before we had a Git sync feature. I have to look it up. Um through our chat history. Um I mean kinda of to self promote, but the what that we yeah, have a chat bot. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we, th- this just comes to mind because we have a chat bot that uh, runs within our, pu- our public Slack and that's powered by a custom embedding and it is aware of all of our documentation and it can answer questions um, within Slack. That's all through Pipedream. There's no actual um, backend besides that. Mario. Yeah, it used to be called Mario. That was it's the sunny. original name. Yeah, back in the day, uh, we've changed it's to Pi um, due to branding collisions. I can't believe someone else uses the name Mario. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> what were they thinking? I know. <laughs> like, I was thinking, like, well, Pipe Dream, pipes Mario. But, um, you know, button later, we realized that was a bad idea. Um, so now it's Pi. But um, coming up soon is a better integration that actually writes code for you. Uh, if I could share GIFs. I wouldn't hear, but I can hardly join as a speaker. I don't think I can figure out how to share a GIF on this channel. Um, yeah, the, the best
1: thing is like, you can just drop a, a reply under the, the space itself. Like on the bottom, right. There's a, a way to, to do that. But, um, while you're doing that bro, Nifty, what's up, man? Did you have a, a question for Dylan? Oh, Hey, yeah.
5: Um, Hey Dylan. I, um, I was just, you stimulated a thought while you were talking and, um, I remember uh, working with uh, Pipe Dream, and it reminds me of other low, no-code or low-code tools like Node Red and Stackery. And it seems like I have like so many, so many bookmark folders and so many bookmarks and different, different things and stuff. And like it seems like a lot of my no-code, low-code stuff is related to backend. And uh, it kind of seems like it makes a lot of sense. What, what, what when you were talking, you were kind of making me think of something like a um, uh, a universal a universal substrate for for integration. It's almost like like uh, you know when you have those like you, you get those um, for in science class when you have those those full those uh, those types of uh, notebooks with the grid rather than just like the the regular notebook lines, but like the grid, whatever that's called. And you like you, you like make. Or, or or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going off in the deep end here, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I should and I should terminate this in some kind of a question. Um, I I was not able to get Stackery to work for me, and I haven't really gotten deep into Node Red, although it seems really kind of neat. And I've tried Pipe Dream and it, and it did work for me um, among out of all three of those. Out of all three of those, would you say that um like no no code in general in terms of like no, let's see. In terms of no code, do you, I don't I don't know exactly how Pipetrain works. Would you Would you say it's can be a good idea to to let the uh, developer get into to the lowest uh, grain, uh, give them access to the actual code that the no code tool is writing?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we're kind of unique in that other other platforms like Zapier or Make. Um, I haven't used Node Red myself but those two come to mind because they're more established for no code use. Um, they do not give end users the ability to drop down into code. Whereas where that for, like that is the first class citizen is code. But I don't know if you've ever used PipeDream since we launched version two of February of last year, where it says like define component within the code step. That is literally the same DSL that is towering the prebuilt actions you use. And all of our code is open source, which is kind of different from Zapier as well. So you could fork our repo, you can make adjustments to someone else's action, redeploy it to your own. Um, We we have an open component system like that. And we treat it as if, okay, pre-built actions are nice and convenient and you should be able to edit them. But the fact is like APIs change or, maybe a developer has one opinion on how to integrate with an API and you like use it differently. So we kind of give you the flexibility to do that instead. Um, Yeah, we're, we're definitely developer first compared to some other examples. That
5: Um, sounds amazing. Sorry if I cut you off.
3: No, no, go ahead. I was, yeah.
5: Oh, okay. I was going to, yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, It's probably might even be a good idea for, for marketing segments and stuff like that to distinguish yourself between like developer first or like, consumer product first or whatever, like you're going for the end result or you're going for like help uh, to enable builders. Obviously you pipe dream are are enabling uh, the developer first.
1: Yeah. Uh, I remember the, the kind of take I, I I felt like when I was interviewing there, that it was a pretty code, it was something for coders. Like you could probably figure it out if you didn't know any code, but that really, if you want to really get like the most power from it, you'd be like writing some like node scripts or, or stuff. But, um, Vicky T, you dropped something about Yahoo pipes. i have never heard of this. What what is this? <laughs> it, it's it, it, it's older.
4: These are it's from like the early 2000s. Sorry, if there's a bit of an echo. There were uh, my basement flooded and uh, everything's empty now. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was just is it, this is this uh, idea of literally you would see these little pipes connecting, think like Super Mario and stuff, and you. It was just really a way to create a workflow to say, like, getting my data from here, going to here. And I had this whole visual aspect to it. And I, I, the reason why I dropped it is I was just curious if, if the name Pipe Dream came from something like that. I just...
3: Wow, you have a really, really good memory. Um, so, yes, there is some connection. So the original team that built Pipe Dream is the same founding team that built a startup called Bright Roll that was okay. acquired by Yahoo.
5: I mean, oh, this was okay. a
3: while ago. So there is some overlap with Yahoo and the pipe team now. Um, they've worked together for 10 plus years now. So they might've had a small hand in pipes. I've not, not asked about the history that much. I've only met in person a couple of times. That's on my list of to-dos because I've noticed that as well. Like people are mentioning pipes. I never heard of it either. Um, but yeah, there might be some history overlap there.
4: Okay, okay, cool. No, I, I just I didn't realize that, but it was just a, a project I remember from like the early two thousands. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Good. good I, re- I remember.
2: I remember pipes from from back in the day. Um, yeah.
1: Because they mentioned in the in the wiki that you linked to that the name was a reference to Unix pipes, like how you pipe one input to output kind of thing. Oh, yeah, know. that makes sense. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's a good idea too. I, I, going back to the um, other idea of the solvent, I mean, the name of Solvent is a great API connection um, kind of company name. If you guys want to make your own, just take that one. <laughs> It'd be kind of like mixing things together. It's common. It's a common.
5: my um, um, chemistry terms are out of date, but you do you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Yeah, that sounds good. I I work with a couple other tools. Um, One is called uh, WingLang, and it's called WingCloud, and it basically writes your CDKTF code to build uh, services. And I was thinking, like, I wonder if there could be some kind of overlap between, a, you know, it's sort of like infrastructure as code, but they call it infrastructure from code, which is basically the same thing except it just writes your infrastructure code for you. Can you combine the app and the code together? It's kind of a novel uh, thing. It's just coming out, it's pretty pretty fresh. But I wonder if there's overlap between something like that, which creates cloud native services, and something like Pipe Dream or one of these other. Backend no-code or low-code tools that will allow you to connect and integrate with other services that are not necessarily like in the AWS cloud or GCP or or something or like that, but something like uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But but any anything like I wonder if there's there could be something that uh, that connects these two and that allows them to work work together. We're just I'm just I just kind of just spitballing here. Just mm.
3: that yeah, that's interesting. Well. You, in theory, could try to do it. Uh, we don't have the actual running functionality, open-sourced. Um, but I suppose you could use that tool that you mentioned. Um, SST is another one that kind of is, it's more like front-end framework focused, but I guess you could combine that. Yeah, with we've had little, DAX on the show quite a few oh, times. Okay. Yeah, a good cool. friend. Yeah, something like that. Um, but I have to admit, like, integrations alone is a huge Huge problem. Trying to create a standard API that can be mixed and matched with any service is hard enough, and then trying to layer on top of that a um, a framework to orchestrate your infrastructure that would be uh, that would be impressive to handle both at the same time.
5: Yeah, almost like you. Almost like if somebody were ambitious enough, they might just kind of pick a lane and like be really opinionated and decide to put those layers together in a really specific fashion and like you could create, maybe even create a meta framework that allows people to do various concoctions off of that. And like, just cause you want to pick and choose your integration. Everybody wants payments. Everyone wants storage. We everyone, everyone wants a CDN. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, off, you know, off payments, uh, off payments, CDN storage. Um, everybody needs, all, that's a universal, I think. So like, I don't know, I'll just, but yeah. that, that's all, that's all for today. It was nice chat.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, Dylan, real quick, I just want to go back to what you were about to talk about earlier, which was the generate them beta for generating your own code within, you know, the custom code portion of these different things. Cause I, I have messed around with pipe dream and I am a part of the beta user process there. And I have kind of helped to kind of see some of the, and, and you know, just look into some of the things that were going on there. Anyway, it was, it was fun to mess with. I don't know if you want to get into that a little bit. I think you were hinting at it earlier.
3: Yeah, it's actually I was actually working on it today, helping with the UI part. Um, it's very close to being released. Um, well, this new update, and I'll, we'll be able to show, share more there, but it is, it is a different AI than what's powering Pi. Um, we don't have a brand name for it yet. I'm not sure if we will make one but it's more it's tailored specifically for code. So it won't produce any general pipe dream answers like if you ask pipe if you ask pi for example like what is a source? Pi will give you will give you a like a, a layman's term definition of a source and how to build one with links to the documentation whereas this particular feature only knows about code and it's already been trained on all of the um, API docs that we connect to so all the 1000 plus services that we we already have integrations for uh, you can ask things like, today I, I asked it, I said, make me a front uh, action that will update the tag of a conversation based on these three attributes. And I listed what what conditions should trigger a tag on in front, which is like a customer service uh, email, email system. And it built that code for me in the Pipe dream format and you can run. Now, it hallucinates of course, from time to time about API endpoints that don't exist. It sounds really nice, but sometimes it can miss. But it's a great kind of like scaffolding to not worry about how to authenticate, um, et cetera. And like finding the, the basic API route uh, format, like the other API API routes are formatted as. But playing with it kind of speaks for itself. I definitely encourage you to try it out. If you make a new Node.js code step, just look on your right, it'll say uh, edit code with AI or create create with AI, generate with AI, something like that, something AI related
0: yeah super cool i really loved it because uh, i was trying to do i was trying to create um uh like a google calendar event <clears throat> or, um to be you know from the trigger was basically um if a um uh, if a single row was added to a sheet um then i would wanted to get values in the range and then I wanted to create this google calendar to update the event attendees that for an event that i had scheduled in the calendar and add these people to the event on top of it and there's something with the there was something with the one that you guys already have in there for that event and it wasn't it wasn't going to do what i needed to do exactly so i went the route of using node and um you know I was messing around with it and then literally you guys like launched your beta. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm going to try this. So I started messing with the AI part of it too. Um, and it was pretty cool. How, how I wrote it out for me. And, and there was a lot, there was a few things I had to, you know, change and things like that, but it, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was, it's awesome. I love what you guys are doing there and, you know, kind of ahead of the game I feel like with uh, some of that going on there. So it's cool.
3: That's so cool. I mean, yeah, sorry. You had to like go through the pain of reading oh, no, it was API docs. It was that's fun the though. The worst, <laughs> that's the worst API documentation I think I've read in a long time. Still, it was fun it's though. It's so hard to understand. Um, totally. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I experienced the same thing where it gave me the wrong app name. For example, it said Front and not Front App, which is the correct app name in our system. So it's like you have to be diligent. Still, you can't just be that lawyer that submitted his um, arguments to court using ChatGPT. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. Oh either. my
0: gosh, I read about that. Jeez. Yeah
3: like that. Oh you can't goodness, just run. Like, yeah. You expect it to work. <laughs> Worst. <laughs> Ladies, uh, huh? Yeah, but it's definitely a head start. I mean, it gives you a great head start, and soon you'll be able to edit code um, from existing code with AI. So you can start with something you've you, you've already written, like a long code component, and then just ask it to tweak, make small tweaks to it, add a prop, um, conditionally send something yeah. to RAM, param, et etc.
0: Yeah, that was one problem I did have too with it saving, it's saving what you already had. Like if you had to open up the generate back up again, it wouldn't save anything yeah. that you had in there prior, and so then you would lose like a lot of the prompting you had and stuff like that, the memory, you know.
3: Yeah, yep, that's part of the feature update. Is there'll be threads,
5: so yeah, you'll remember
3: cool. conversations just like ChatGPT does, but quick between awesome. conversations. That's be um, exciting. Yeah, that's the that's the big update. It's yeah, the we UI also... part really hard. We're trying to figure out the UI part because it can be confusing. When is uh, this
0: launch happening?
3: Uh, it was we, – we were aiming for end of week, uh, but based on the complications we came to with the UI, it might end up being pushed to next week.
0: Okay, so we should have you guys on JavaScript GM. We have a formal video podcast as well. If you want to do that, we would love to do that with you guys.
3: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, cool. I'll, I'll just DM me and I'll um, – We'll set that up, sounds good. Yeah, I'm in Slack, I, I pinged you in Slack. That's oh, you're okay, something. I haven't yeah. opened Slack yet, I'm trying to use this stupid phone. <laughs> no worries, dude, no problem. Awesome. Yep, cool. But have you guys tried, I'm just curious, have you tried any other um, like integration platforms, any ones that, like this one called N8s has popped up in my feed a couple times. I tried it once, but I, I couldn't figure it out. Any, any, any N8s uh, users or developers here?
5: Mm, that sounds familiar. What did you say
3: it was called? It's called n8ns.io, n8s.
1: Oh, I feel like I've heard of that, but no, I've not used it. We were kind of talking about, have you heard of Valtown? That was kind of in the impetus for this discussion in the first place.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, they, they've blown up on um, YC lately, because I think there are new, a new YC batch. I see them on Hacker News all the time. They're making videos.
1: Yeah, we had a, we had the creator on. We do a, a video podcast as well, so we kind of had do a, a demonstration, which we featured in our newsletter, which we talk about in this space. So that's kind of the where, where we're at. Yeah, that's why that's why we were talking about similar uh, things, which is how Pipe Dream got brought up. So funny yeah. how that all works out.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I can't even keep up. Like I've tried a bunch. Um, one of my favorites now is Appsmith for making UIs um but keeping up with even just the integrations no code tools out there it seems like there's a lot happening airplane.dev is another one i've tried that one's a bit more like devopsy flexible you can build a container for example Interesting. Um, but i found it to be like it actually has like a, a react ui layer to it in a way so you can create ui but it doesn't have the integrations part as as Deeply as Pipe Dream does, or as wide as Pipe Dream does. Um, but they're all kind of like admin builder tools in a way. Like admin building is totally separate from integrations backend um, tooling.
5: Yeah, th- yeah, Dylan, the um, airplane, I've checked that out. A l- I haven't gotten that far into it, but I, I've been meaning to, to look into that. Yeah, there's definitely a very there's a big difference between uh, the front-end low-code stuff and back-end low-code stuff. I feel like the front-end really is too limiting and locks you in, unless it unless it's something like uh, Codex where you can drag and drop and it writes the code for you. It's tr- or Builder. Builder does the same thing where like you can drag and drop or click and uh, edit right there on the interface and it actually uh, updates the code. Um, side you know side by side or whatever if it's that then that that's great but anything other than any anything more restrictive than that is like absolutely no go i can't do that on the front end but for the back end stuff it depends it depends and if it lets you drop into the the actual code and lets you edit edit at the code level and then like if it can if there's a like two-way binding between the code and the ui that's really like the best of all worlds if um then you can kind of standardize on some patterns and then create some customizations sort of like, you know even something as complex as in our realm is as complex as it gets would be kubernetes i would suppose you can custom resource definition it has everything standardized yeah but you can create a custom resource definition and extend and do go to your heart's desire and i think the same kind of thing and, and there's there's pl- there's services like humanitech that builds on, on top of that where you can like do the visual editing and like composing and stuff that, The the composition step and getting the visual uh, representation of of the uh, resources and their linkages and how those mappings are defined in some kind of window that is represented, that's the hard part because it's the mental model of being able to, like you can't, like nobody can keep all those variables in their head simultaneously. You need some kind of visual representation and like seeing it all in code, it's going to be like lines and lines and lines of code, so many lines of code, there's no way to keep track of all that. So it's like visual is the only way. So uh, I hope I didn't ramble too much and I hope I made my point there. But yeah, I just wanted to chime in. Front-end, back-end, totally big difference. Uh, front-end to mostly front end mostly to, to restrictive back-end is definitely the way to go for no code, but you gotta be able to drop in the code, that's it.
3: Huh. Yeah, it's funny, it seems like tooling depends on your preference. Like if you really like to control the front-end, you're gonna be using a service that builds APIs out for you. But vice versa, if you're more of a back-end, Comfortable person, I'm just trying to drag and drop UI components and mm-hmm. call it a day. Um, like Appsmith, for example. I wonder though, like if you guys had to gauge your current development stack of percentage of it being low code tools or no code tools versus like actually operating. Um, I don't know, like a framework or writing uh, little Node.js apps. What where do you think you're at? Like 50% no code, 50% code. Do you think it's changing and trending in one one direction or another?
1: I'd say it kind of depends on what you're building, like, you know, um, generic answer. But for me, I'm like, as someone with a blog, I have like a framework that's a static site generator, Astro. And so like, I write everything in Markdown or I can make some Markdown HTML, just (laughs) turn it into HTML and then kind of does whatever it (laughs) needs to do. I'm not really using a whole lot of no code tools right now, but that's because, like I'd say, I'm just publishing content, you
3: know? Oh, okay. Yeah, for that case, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, my blog is still written on Jekyll, and there's no reason for me to play around with any. any Deep tools cut. Like
1: <laughs> you know, I actually know the creator of Jekyll. <laughs>
3: oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Isn't he one? Isn't the Jekyll guy one who? Uh, dude, he's he's the uh, he's the uh, Redwood Tom preston
1: Warner. yeah, creator of Redwood, creator of GitHub, GitHub. creator of Jekyll, <laughs> creator of Toml. Yeah, he's a good friend to have.
5: <laughs> That's quite the resume. Yeah, it's Seriously? pretty pretty neat when your when your uh username is the first one on the GitHub user list uh, for the API. yeah. If you
1: hit the GitHub API user list and you like. Ash for the first 10 users, he's the very first user ever. That's awesome.
3: Redwood has one once been interesting to me, but I haven't had a chance to, or like a reason to actually do a hello, you know, like a, a start project on it.
0: Give him a reason, Anthony. Give him a reason. <laughs> because
1: it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I would say the reason is if you want to build a full stack and you're like you're you're craving that that Ruby on Rails experience and you yeah. just can't get it from JavaScript, then Redwood is your, is your framework.
3: Remember Sales? Sales was supposed to be that.
1: So we actually, we've had the the person who has now taken over Sales, which um, uh, Kelvin, he now has been on the show a couple of times talking about Sales. Yeah, Sales seem to never quite get there. In terms of know, the community or the, the front end integration. I feel like they didn't go deep enough into like really making it work with things like React and Vue. You can get it to work, but there's not like a good path there whereas like Redwood, it's like it's front end, it's back end, it's full stack, you got your React app, you got your GraphQL, we'll do that all for you, like from a single command, you got your app set up kind of deal.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, I, my original, you know, probably like most of you guys, like the original background was RAD frameworks like Laravel, Ruby on Rails. And I just haven't seen that come up in the Node world quite yet. And Redwood seems to be like the closest thing yet. So there was another one I can't remember the name of up top of my head. Um, it was
1: Redwood, Create T3 App, and Wasp, I would say. And then Blitz, which has kind of fallen off the radar a bit.
3: I know the guy behind Blitz. He lives in Ohio here with me, so I see him around.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, Brandon yeah, Brandon. yeah. Brandon's a very good friend of the show as well. Yeah. We, we know yeah. all these people. So we're, we're pretty plugged into the JavaScript framework world. That's
0: kind of like our, our scene. Yeah. He's at that conference right now. Awesome.
5: Sales. One thing about sales. Yeah. I did uh, land on sales one time when I was deep in the guts of self hosting Superbase. And it was the admin interface for managing the. Reverse proxy Kong Kong uh, um, uh, reverse proxy gateway mesh thing whatever so so it gives you a gives you an inner basically an admin dashboard to manage Kong uh, and all your integrations for Kong so um, yeah w- usually in order to set yourself apart in this industry because there's so many you have to have like a killer app for something and then everybody's like oh ooh, shiny but not a lot of people are managing Kong so probably not a lot of people are landing on sales I personally have not used uh Redwood either although I'm really excited to try it like at some point like hopefully in the near future so I'm going to definitely want to check that out. And I do want to check out sales a little more too cuz Matteo was on uh was like a sales conf or something like that and like he was raving about it. So whatever he thinks is pretty much uh, golden in my books. So. Really? Okay,
3: cool. Yeah. I Didn't know that. Yeah. Awesome. Adonis was the other one I couldn't remember the name of. Adonis was another Larry. Yeah. Called.
1: Yeah, 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 Adonis is one that, when, when we had the sales creator on us, they have sales and the Adonis were kind of like, what I think of as the more old-school, like, REST-based kind of full-stack JavaScript frameworks, because that's where Red was a little different, is that uses GraphQL. So if you're not super into GraphQL, that can be kind of a sticking point for some people, but I would caution people that it makes GraphQL way better than you would expect. If you had frustrations uh-huh. with GraphQL in the past... Redwood is designed to solve those specific frustrations.
3: Ah, uh, okay, nice. Yeah, that's probably the main sticking point is where I try to... I'm a progressive kind of guy. Like, give me the, the simplest express type thing and then build on top of that until I need to, like, wipe it with a real framework, but...
1: hmm yeah.
3: But it's kind of funny. Like, it's almost like uh, DHH talking about when he was first building Rails, they're like, okay... Our like our, um, and it wasn't camp Our SQL sequel server is getting to the point where you need to do a sharding, but the um, acceleration of memory, how cheap memory was, eventually they just you know leveraged AWS to finally just keep leveraging up the um, instance size, so they never had to shard. And I feel like that same kind of thing is kind of happening to JavaScript in a way where. Parts of, or not JavaScript, but like just full development frameworks and that parts of the apps are just being like chunked away. Like you used to have to write authentication by hand. Now that's optional. used to do payments, uh, well, deeper payment integrations. Now Stripe is doing more and more subscription management, for example. It seems like the full stack framework is becoming debundled into services if you want to. Um, So you don't have to reach for a full stack framework as much nearly anymore.
1: That's definitely Uh, true. Yeah. And then... As long as you can figure out how to piece all that together, you're good. I would say, like, the, the real value, I think, for someone like Redwood, and this, this seems kind of intuitive to people because it seems like such a complex bundle of tech, but I actually think a full stack framework like that is really good for beginners. Because even integrating something like Clerk and then Stripe, it's like, it's easy for a developer, but if you're a total beginner, even that is still pretty complicated. So I think that's where the benefit of like, a full stack framework oh, comes yeah. in, where it's like, if you're someone who's been using no-code, low-code, and you're like, I want to like, get into coding, but like, I really don't know how, like, that's where i recommend people check out these like highly integrated full-stack frameworks because like, they can be really valuable. And if you're someone who like, can code really well, it can still be valuable for you there. But I think that that's something that I try and push. Is, like, cause I learned Redwood as someone who really had very little coding experience. And I was able to get up and running with it and have a full-stack framework in a way that I couldn't have done without it.
3: Wow, you are blessed. I mean, you get the best um, top-notch tech experience. You have to deal with the PHP 5.6 like us old people do. Like that yeah, was, was a yeah I, I
1: definitely lucked out there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, my Next.js is my one of my longest-running apps now, and um, it's not opinionated enough for the full-stack portion, and I'm kind of missing that integration and, like, that whole opinionated, give me give me your opinion on everything. and Let me just build stuff and not worry about you know, wiring up yet another validation library or replacing Formic with something that's now maintained because Formic is no longer maintained, et cetera. Um, those days are kind of missed in the node world. I don't think they ever happened in the node world. Now that I think about it, it's always changing so fast. There's always okay. different packages and yeah. frameworks and stuff. We just need to, uh, we keep on telling ourselves like, yep, node's going to get to a point where it's going to be a stable framework me like the one winner and then everyone's Um, gonna
1: move to dino or bun (laughs) (laughs)
3: yeah and the wheel reinvents itself once again um it's definitely the most innovative language yeah i think they're changing a lot
1: yeah well thanks so much for joining us dylan we do these every week at the same time so if you want to uh come another time you're totally welcome to it's really great having you here with us yeah thanks for letting me
3: talk and letting join um apologize for the uh the hiccups trying to join. He's trying to be rude. Just never used this before. But thanks again. <laughs> no worries. Uh, you're uh, chill. Yeah. You're all
1: good.
0: Yeah, I hit you up in your DM on Slack there. And um, Anthony, now we can talk about scheduling something out for the future for a video podcast together. Um, um, yeah, and maybe something sooner than later so that we can get it pushed out before, or maybe a little bit after your launch or something. I don't know. But.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I will check my Slack and we'll get in touch. But thanks again, cool, guys.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me, bro. Thanks. Appreciate it. See ya. Awesome.
3: All right, y'all. Well, thanks so much. Remember, we do this every Wednesday at
0: 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We greatly appreciate everybody here who joined us today. If you got any value from everybody that was uh, speaking and you're listening to this recording, please click on their face and follow them, because um, guess what? You're probably going to get value from them in other places. We had some really cool conversations today, and I really appreciate um, all the effort everybody put in. It was just so much fun. Um, that's it, y'all. That's it for this week. Next week, though, we're going to be having... Um, let's see. What is that? Is that August 2nd? 2nd. We
1: got yeah. Tejas and we got yeah. Mark. We got Woo. the two dudes who do the things with the stuff.
0: do <laughs> the things with the stuff. Yeah. Tejas Kumar and uh, Mark Erickson. Yes. So, don't miss out on that. We're going to have a great time we're going to be chit-chatting a little bit about React Rally. Yes, React Rally. If you haven't heard of that or gotten your tickets, go to React Rally and check it out. Just type in React Rally. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, but, yeah, Tejas and Mark are going to be speaking there. And um, we're going to be having them on the show to just have some fun and chit-chat about what what's up with the things and the things that they talk about and that they do in the things. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much. We love y'all. And we'll see you
1: in well, the next, next one. And check the links because I'm going to put a link for the alien thing at the end in case anyone cares.
0: Oh yes, the aliens. It's real. X-files.
1: It's a thing. <laughs>
5: This
0: is not a recording. We are taking over the world. Aliens.